Thanks for joining me for this week's episode. Uh, you're listening to Sandoval Bench Podcast. Uh, so we had game one of the NBA Finals yesterday. And Phoenix just completely dominated uh, Milwaukee game one. I know towards the end, Milwaukee made kind of a comeback there. Uh, but Phoenix ended up winning 118-105. to 105. And, you know, Giannis, uh, you know, at the end of uh, the Eastern Conference Finals against Atlanta, he hyperextended his knee. He had that awkward uh, landing uh, when he was going up for an alley-oop. And uh, Clint Capella was guarding him. And it seemed like he was out for the rest of the postseason. Um, and then, you know, the way he was limping off, it just seemed like something bad happened. Um, uh, but then they ran some tests, and then he was ruled out for game one. And uh, they had round-the-clock treatment, and he was practicing uh, by himself and just trying to get uh, healthy enough to play. And then he ended up playing. They He got upgraded. I personally, unless it, he was good to go 100%, then I would have played him, but I would have just I would have sat him out uh, the first game, uh, just in case some freak accident happens, and I didn't want him to feel pressure to have to go and play uh, game one, even though he was just injured two days ago or two games ago, you know. So I, I would have just let him rest. You know, it's game one of the NBA Finals. Usually the the home team wins anyway, and Phoenix dominated them anyway with Giannis. Um, so I would have given him that extra, extra couple days of rest, um, and you know just kind of see how how he does in practice and practice and stuff like that, and then definitely playing for game two, especially you know how he looked uh, game one. You know I think he only scored like 20, 20 points. He had a good amount of rebounds there, but uh, he looked like he was getting after it early on. He was uh, you know he had that nice block. In transition, he was getting trying to get all these boards, trying to initiate offense. My only issue is why does why does he have to bring up the ball all the time? You know, they have Drew Holiday there, they have other guys that can that can handle the rock there. But for some reason, Giannis thinks he's he's a point forward, which he's not. Um, you know, and it and that's okay. He doesn't have to be that guy. You know, I think uh, Budenholzer. You know, they took advantage of having Lopez in there. Um, and then what I've been saying all postseason is that I think uh, they need to put Giannis at the five and then have Drew Holiday bring the ball up, run some plays for Drew Holiday, have him kind of initiate offense, and then have uh, Giannis work off of him, get some pick and rolls and some lobs and stuff. And then, you know, some plays and some, and then especially in transition, you could have Giannis, you know, take the lead there, you know, control pace and um, handle the ball there and initiate offense. But um yeah Lopez you know he was playing well offensively they needed some buckets there Middleton was just kind of playing the same Holiday struggled there um but they had to take Lopez out because every time he was in front of Chris Paul or Devin Booker they just took advantage of that mismatch and they 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 went off you know they they scored a lot there um so I think if you keep Giannis at the five you know Budenholzer did it late and then he took out Lopez so he's finally making some uh, some in-game adjustments, which he hadn't been doing. Uh, so, you know, I think with that, you know, looking at Giannis's injury, he didn't do that well offensively. You know, he, he was making more free throws, it seems like. And uh, you need need some more consistency from Drew Holiday. And uh, Chris Middleton, he has to have another big game. You know, he has to have consecutive big games, especially in the finals. They're in a big moment. You know, we've heard it. Many times already on uh, sports radio and 
and ESPN and whatever that there's only one player in both teams in this series who has finals experience, and that's Jay Crowder. He played six games last year in the bubble against the Lakers. So this moment is pretty much new for everyone. It's a big moment for everyone. Career-defining moment. Um, but, you know, Middleton had a good game. You know, 12-26, 29 points. But he needs some help. Giannis is obviously injured. Um, and then Lopez is just an issue defensively. So if I'm... And Connaughton, Pat Connaughton's getting too many minutes. I don't know what he's doing out there. Uh, but Bobby Portis, I think, needs to play more minutes. You know, you have... You could have uh, Giannis at the five, and maybe Portis. You could have him down low there playing the four. Uh, just, you know, you got to mix it up because it seemed like Phoenix, they were controlling pace the entire game, um, you know, and then they they were hitting all their shots. They have their young guys stepping up big. DeAndre Ayton, he's, like he's just a star now, and they absolutely have a big three there in Phoenix. You know, Devin Booker has been... It's been consistent. He didn't shoot that well. You know, he had, uh, they hit all their free throws pretty much. I think they missed one free throw at the end, uh, which, you know, probably ended up being the difference there. Oh, and Giannis was 7 of 12. So that's a, a drastic improvement there. And then uh, just going down numbers wise here DeAndre Ayton, 22 points, 19 rebounds. He's been great on the glass, shot 80%. And then Chris Paul had that 32 and 9. He's been great on the inside, that um, that mid-range jumper. It's been basically unstoppable. And then whenever he gets a big on him, they keep doing the same thing. All these teams keep doing the same thing. He keeps taking advantage of, of the mismatches, and, and Budenholzer has to make an adjustment there. And then Devin Booker with 27 points, and uh, Mikael Bridges with 14, and then you got some bench guys, Cam Payne and Cam Johnson, uh, with 10 points apiece. So their offensive effort, besides Jay Crowder, who was 0 of 8, he hit one free throw. He had one point and nine rebounds. I need some more from Jay Crowder. But, you know, they're a whole offensive output. And then the way that they play defensively, they're playing. They're just gelling right now at the right time, playing well together. And offensively, they get they get some shots, some corner threes from, from Johnson. They get some, some offense from uh, Cameron Payne. You know, they, they get it in different spots, you know. And so besides it being just, Chris Paul and Devin Booker, they have those young guys stepping up in big moments. And you haven't really seen that from Milwaukee. Milwaukee's a hard team to read, really. Like, they just seem like they have a low IQ. And then out of nowhere, they, they'll just, like, demolish the opponent in the playoffs. And they're like, okay, well, and now everyone's rocking with, with Milwaukee again. And now Budenholzer's keeping his job. And then the next game, Budenholzer's getting fired because he didn't he didn't make the proper adjustments. He didn't have... Giannis on KD, so there's there's still just too inconsistent for me. So I'm still gonna go with Phoenix. You know, I know they won Game One, but they just look like they're gonna completely dominate uh, Milwaukee. I I think Milwaukee will get a couple, so I'm going Phoenix in six. And I know a lot of people are complaining about uh, it's a boring Finals matchup. You have Phoenix and Milwaukee. It'd be worse if it was New Orleans and Milwaukee. Because they're just two frustrating teams to watch, uh, but Phoenix is a fun team. They're good. They're good to watch. You got a good storyline there with Chris Paul. Uh, got some stars there, and uh, good young stars there in Booker and uh, DeAndre Ayton. And then on the other side, you got um, two-time MVP and Defensive Player of the Year and uh, Giannis, and he's a good superstar. People like him. He's likable. You know, he, he has a chance to uh, to win a Finals here. 
And, you know, Chris Middleton, uh, people don't give him a lot of respect, don't really talk about him much, but he's a good player. You know, he's a good player. Maybe he's kind of boring. Yeah, I'll give you that. But, you know, the talent is here in the finals. You know, you have great players. But this is the first finals in 10 years where we don't have Steph Curry or LeBron James. So that's, that's, that's a long time. You know, that's a long time if you think about it where you had – those Warriors team making runs, and then you had uh, the Heat and Cavaliers and recently the Lakers. But I think both those teams will be back. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of people who are who are saying that Phoenix, it's a, it's a cheap championship ring, and, you know, they're only winning because, you know, they had they played a lot of teams who had injuries. You know, the, the Nuggets without Jamal Murray. Lakers had injuries to AD. You know, Clippers with no uh, Kawhi Leonard. And you know what? Everyone, every year, every team, a lot of teams have had injuries. You know, the the Suns were just, they're, they're getting lucky of not having any injuries. And they could only play who's in front of them. Because, you know, if they lost to the to the Clippers, I mean, I was already, there was the first couple games or one of the games that they lost. I'm like, look, they can't, they can't lose to Clippers without Kawhi Leonard. Like, there's no way that they can do that. They have to beat them. You know, and the Clippers were awfully close for that, you know. And then when they played the Lakers, I I had picked the Lakers to beat them. I picked the Lakers to go to the finals and win still. But when AD goes down, now, Phoenix, you have no excuse. You have to win, right? And they won. So if they lost, we would be, I think we'd be beating up on them, like, way more than we are that they're winning because they should win, right? But that's what what happens every year. And, you know, that's, that's part of the schedule, you know, uh, Chris Paul is part of the the Players Association, and and so is LeBron. You know, they had a say in it, and now LeBron was off complaining about the injuries, and they start too soon. Like they had a say in it. It's not like Adam Silver was like, "Hey, we're starting this day." You know, they they had actually talked about it and voted for it, and no one spoke up about. It. They all agreed to it because they wanted to get paid, and, and that's what happens. You know, injuries are part of the game. You know, there's a lot more freak accidents, I think, and uh, it seems like this year a lot of star players going down. Uh, but I think that's due in part because a lot of players weren't really taking care of their bodies in the off season, the short off season, or weren't really training properly, so they didn't have enough time to transition to starting the season in December. But like, I mean, that's your full time job. You should be working out all the time, practicing your shot, doing all this stuff. Like, if you're not prepared, like, I, I mean, that's on you. You know, you should always be prepared. So I, I would give credit to Phoenix for staying this healthy th- this long and, and for playing that the way that they're playing. But, you know, they haven't been completely free here in, in the injury news, you know. Uh, CP's he had the shoulder injury in the first round against the Lakers. You know, he was out with COVID. He's getting his hand wrapped uh, yesterday's game. And then I think he said he had an MRI on his wrist uh, the last season. So, or last uh, series. And Chris Paul, every postseason, it seems like he's injured. You know, against the Rockets, Rockets and the Warriors, he had his hamstring pull. When he was with the Clippers, he got, he got injured numerous times in the playoffs. And then that, that was it. They were out because uh, Chris Paul couldn't go. So it happens to him too. You know, it happened to other players where they're out. You know, Clay Thompson missed the entire year, and I think they would have been a contender this year. So it's just part of it, you know. And then Devin Booker breaks his nose, and he goes, he kind of switches off and on the mask, and then he gets hit in the nose, and he puts it back on. But now he's going out without it during the NBA Finals. So I mean, they've had their stuff too, uh, but they've been able to kind of ride the wave and and uh, stick to playing basketball. But 
Yeah, I, my only problem with, with game one is that the it was boring because Milwaukee was out of it in the third quarter, and then Phoenix was just on them the entire time. And then they kind of were coming back, but it was like already too late. You could kind of tell that it was already done. So the game was actually a lot worse than what the score indicates, and the score's not that good for Milwaukee. Um, so that's my issue with it. Like, whatever the market markets play, you know, Phoenix and Milwaukee, I just want some good games. Um, and, you know, decently long series. Like, six games would be, would be ideal. Um, seven would be nice. Uh, but I hope it's not a four-game or five-game series. Because uh, then, you know, after this, then it's just kind of a dead dead period in sports. I guess we do have the Olympics pl- starting uh, here, I think, this month. It should be next week or something. I don't have the official date. And then uh, baseball is uh, heading towards the All-Star game. And a lot of controversy with the Olympics. You have the track star who got suspended because she tested positive for THC. I think she ate an edible or something while she was here in Oregon which is legal in Oregon, when she was here at the trials, and then they suspended her for 30 days, so she missed her whole event. And then she didn't get selected by the relay team, so she's just not going to Tokyo, uh, which sucks. You know, I, it's unfortunate. Um, you have you have in the uh, controversy with Kevin Love. People are saying that Kevin Love just got on the USA basketball team because he was white, um, but, you know, they've had many play, white players before. Um, and I think part of it is because he's been bad for two years and pretty much injured a lot. And I think, what did he play, like 30 games or something? He didn't play that many games last season. And um, he's already on the back half of his career. But I think this is a way for him to jumpstart his career, get traded from Cleveland, you know, build up some trade value because he has no trade value right now at all. Uh, if I'm Portland, though, I would trade for him. Um, and Popovich came out and said, hey, you know, we needed a stretch big, someone who could get some rebounds, get down dirty with it, uh, you know, shoot outside. They need they need some more depth inside. I think they just have Bam and, uh, and Draymond, and that's pretty much it. You know, you have Kevin Durant, but you're not going to put him at the five um, in, in the Olympic, uh, Olympic competition. So, you know, he's there for a multitude of reasons. You know, he, I think he just averaged 12 points per game, which is the lowest since his rookie season. And so this is what the team is so far. You have uh, Kevin Love, as I mentioned, Bam, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker. But I think they start, like, right after the finals, the Olympics do. So I don't know if Devin's just going to opt out at the end or as soon as he wins the finals. just like, all right, I'm going to Tokyo. Like, he, he's not going to have any time to celebrate or – or hang out, or have an off season, or anything. So he's just gonna go straight to uh, the Olympics. So I, I probably, I think I would expect him to opt out there. Uh, Kevin Durant, and then Jeremy Grant, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, same with Drew Holiday, Zach Levine, Damon Lillard, uh, Chris Middleton, Jason Tatum, and that's it right now. Um, so yeah, do, I don't know. I guess we'll see. At the end of the finals, if uh, Chris Middleton and then uh, Drew Holiday and Devin Booker, if they opt out there at the end. Uh, but yeah, obviously they're probably definitely going to get the gold medal there. Um, I don't expect any other team to to really compete that much. Maybe Spain, but I mean, who do they have? Do they still have uh, Calderon and, and uh, Gasol brothers? I mean, they're all old now. They have to be in their 
in their mid forties. I think Powell Powell's like forty three. Has to be that maybe forty two. I don't know. And Jose Calderon, he was forty five his rookie year, so he's easily in his fifties right now. I don't know who else it would be. Uh, there's an update on Trevor Bauer. So he uh, he's now he's placed on administrative leave and he's suspended for like seven days, I think, and he's missing his starts. Uh, but I did find, you know, because there was a lot of reports that, you know, the victim had texted him and, you know, they had, she had said, hey, you know, I want you to do this and this and stuff to me. So um, I looked it up and I found some text messages here. Um, you know, there are pictures that she had submitted to court and, you know, I can, I'm looking at them right now and she has... Uh, scrapes all over her face which i don't even know how that happened like what did he even he even do for that to happen and then her lips are just all bruised up and busted up lips can't see her eyes but it says that uh, she has black eyes as well and then there's a screenshot uh, of her text message to trevor bauer um I, I guess she shared this let's see i think uh yeah there were documents that were submitted to the court and she had texted him like what happened that oh they said bruises and swelling on my face and jaw will be gone in about one week and then for the head symptoms i'm not sure probably a week ish too uh it's better it just makes me want to sleep a lot and i want it to all go away and then he said i feel so bad that this happened wish i could be there with you through it um then he says i care never want to see you hurting or whatever which is kind of this is kind of a weird thing um you know, after the abuse, and then they're going to text like that. Um, this is obviously a wait-and-see thing because, you know, we don't – that's all that we know. Um, I don't want to blame anyone. It's just it's just kind of odd. Um, and then the f initial text message is how they first kind of started up the conversation. Um, part of these messages, you know, they're they're talking and, you know, flirting and stuff and – uh, you know, she says she wants to be, she wants all the pain, um, and then she wants to be choked out, and, you know, they're just texting back and forth and saying this is what, this is what I want to happen, giving them a set of rules there, but she didn't at no point just say, oh, I want, you know, I want to be concussed, and, you know, when I'm sleeping, I want that to happen. So that was her just kind of telling him, hey, you know, this is what I want done sexually. And then the timestamp kind of lines up after that. She says that I'll be in L.A. Uh, on Friday. I'll be at the game on Friday. And, you know, they're trying to coordinate plans and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, obviously there's a line. You know, she says, hey, I want this and stuff to happen. But... Don't beat the fuck out of me. I'm sure it's like obvious, you know, you don't have to clearly state that, you know, no one is, no one is saying, Hey, I want to be, I want my lip busted. I want two black guys. And, um, cause you know, she's also saying that, that she was raped too. So I, I'm sure that that's not part of what she was saying. So I know a lot of people are, are saying, Hey, well she asked for it. Like, okay, dude, like she didn't ask for it. At, to that extent she didn't ask to be raped or anything like that you know so this is a this is gonna be a long process i think this i don't think this gets solved um here in the next couple months probably goes on through the entire year and if that's the case you know is trevor bauer gonna pitch another game 
this season for the Dodgers. I think they have an opt out after this year, and it's a whole mess of things. Especially they're in the thick of uh, the postseason race. You know, they're one and two, kind of taking turns with the Giants right now. Um, so that just doesn't look look like a good situation um, for Bauer, especially with with him getting suspended. Um, but yeah, we'll wait and see on that. Um, and then did you guys see the news on, um, this was 4th of July, the whole Rachel Nichols, Maria Taylor, ESPN debacle. I found this fast, absolutely fascinating because, uh, for NBA countdown, this has been like, it's, it used to be one of my favorite, uh, pregame shows and, um, for watching the games. And, um, I used to really like it with, uh, Michelle Beadle. And then she ended up leaving or she was fired. Um, and then they had to switch it up. And then uh, they gave it to Maria Taylor. But I remember when there was first a vacancy when Michelle Beadle left. Which, you know, when she was on, it was it was really funny. They had great chemistry. And um, she was witty. She was just like snapping at people. And she was, she was really entertaining. Um, I felt like she was more, more than a host there. Uh, there was definitely entertainment. Uh, there was an opening. But they had said that it was rumored that Rachel Nichols was going to take over NBA Countdown. And then um, it ended up going to Maria Taylor because, uh, you know, Rachel Nichols had been hosting the Jump since 2016, and they had uh, pretty good ratings there, I think, for a while. Um, but if you remember, let's go back to last year in the bubble, the 2020 NBA bubble. You know, they're all in Orlando. Deadspin had this story first. Um, and then New York Times kind of took the audio that ended up being released and went more in depth with it and, and released it. And they had this whole, they had a, a basically a bombshell media article that was released on 4th of July. Everyone had time to read it. You know, it was released um, that morning. So I think it was Sunday morning. Uh, so people had time to read it, you know, wake up, have their coffee. And then they're just re- reading about all this drama at ESPN and how they're full of shit. And, um, yeah, so Deadspin had reported in the NBA bubble in Orlando that someone had recorded a disparaging video of Rachel Nichols, you know, someone within the company, and they distributed it, you know, amongst uh, co-workers, and um, nothing ever came out from it, though. They didn't say what the context was. They just said this was happening, and then I think there was a tweet that Rachel Nichols had tweeted something like, hey, I'm just embarrassed. Or I think she was on a podcast or something where I heard her talk about it. She said, oh, it was just embarrassing and all this. And, you know, I just, uh, you know, I, I had my privacy taken away. And, you know, it was just very awkward for me, whatever, whatever. But no one actually knew. I guess people within ESPN knew what it was about. And when I first heard about it, I thought it, initially that it was like an Aaron Andrews situation. If you don't remember, I think this was when Aaron Andrews was with ESPN. Uh, there was a hidden camera in her shower at the hotel, and this guy, yeah, I was recording her showering basically, and um, she ended up getting a, a very large settlement for that. Uh, but I thought it was something like that happening, and someone at ESPN did it. So I was like, okay, well, this is going to be a, a huge story, but we never heard anything about it. Um, so apparently what happened was that there was, you know, you could look up the video and the comments of it. Um, I'm not going to play it on here cause it, the audio is probably going to sound bad because it's, uh, she had her camera, the camera, I guess was on. They said like, Oh, they, the excuse that they used was that, Oh, she must not have known how to turn it off or something. But 
when it records, she was on the phone, and when it records, it goes to an ESPN server, and a lot of employees have access to the server. And so someone who had access to the server, a, a, a production person, recorded it off the server. So it's like a recording of Rachel Nichols on the phone, and then someone recording that recording. So if I played on here, it's going to be a recording of a recording of a recording, and it's and it's not it's probably not going to sound very good. Uh, but you can look it up, and there's uh, there's videos with captions, and you can hear what she's saying. Uh, but basically, what she's saying is, um, you know, that the job was taken from her. NBA Countdown was taken from her. She wanted to host uh, the NBA Finals and, and NBA Countdown. And uh, she's talking to, I forget his name, it's in the article, but he's LeBron's advisor and he's white. And at one point he says, hey, um, you know, I'm I'm just exhausted with all this Black Lives Matter and Me Too movement stuff. And then Rachel Nichols laughs. And she's basically saying that ESPN has fumbled their uh, their diversity stuff and that they're just hiring hiring Maria Taylor for the job because, you know, all that stuff. That's what she said, meaning they're doing it because of, you know, Black Lives Matter and, you know, the George Floyd and police brutality. So they feel like it's a good look to have a black woman and Maria Taylor hosting NBA Countdown. And she feels like and Rachel Nichols feels like it was taken from her. And, you know. I guess first thing I want to say is like, well, ESPN, they made, they created a culture where, you know, there can only be one woman on this broadcast. It has to be one host. You can't do like a, a multi-host platform or do whatever or switch duties out. You can, there's only one spot for one woman, right? And I guess they did uh, promise Rachel Nichols, but at the end of the day, Maria Taylor is a better reporter and better host uh, than Rachel Nichols. Like Rachel Nichols is not, she's not that at that level. The sideline reporters that they have there are better than Rachel Nichols, Malika Andrews, Cassie Hubberth. You know, they're better than, than what Rachel Nichols is, you know? And so I don't know what Rachel Nichols is mad about. You know, they're, they're trying to make the, the product better. You know, if they did promise her that, like, yeah, that sucks. But she basically implied that Maria Taylor just got her job because of, she's like a diver, diversity hire black token you know host hire there which is fucked up because she had been posting and talking she had a whole monologue on the jump about george floyd and everything and black lives matter and she posted stuff about black lives matter so you you're down for for being progressive and hiring people black people in the workplace and other minorities in the workplace but not at your expense right that's what she says she says in the video that oh you know if you want to go hire someone because of that, you know, you, you can find that somewhere else, but you're not going to find it with me. So, hey, don't take my job from me to give it to a black person. Go find it somewhere else. I support it when it's someone else, but I don't support if it replaces me. But she's she's the better at the job, though, Maria Taylor is. She is qualified. She's been doing this for a long time. She's covered college football. She's done a lot of NBA stuff. She's done sideline work. She has carved out a really nice career and she's just better overall than Rachel Nichols. So I think ESPN, they needed to make a decision of, of what they wanted to do, who they wanted to choose there. Um, you know, they probably did choose it because of the optics, um, which, you know, I think the two people that are at fault here are Rachel Nichols and then it's ESPN. ESPN management is doing this. They're making it seem like they're diverse and stuff. You know, they share all this stuff about Black Lives Matter, you know, Pride Month, all this. This is what I've been telling you guys. All these companies 
It's all full of shit, man. They don't care. They will only care about what's what's the hot topic at the moment. What's the movement about? What are we supposed to support? They want to be on the right side of history. No one wants to be caught on the wrong side. You know what? Because the people that I respect more right now are the people who are still out there cheering for Trump and saying that uh, that the election results weren't real or legitimate because those people are just they're fucking crazy but they believe in what they say they actually truly believe what they say and you know what we know who they are that's who they are but these other people on the other side who are you know spewing off about these other movements that we're all supposed to be following and they act like they care but they really don't care and then you actually hear what there's some of them are saying behind closed doors like what rachel nichols said like if she talks like that behind closed doors like, come on, what are all these other people saying? And ESPN pretending like they actually care when really they don't give a fuck. You know, it's a it's a toxic culture there and they're minimizing minority reporters. You know, Rachel Nichols had a, there was other parts of the article where Rachel, Rachel Nichols had said, well, you know, if I'm going to be doing sideline work, you know, since they were giving her sideline work, they gave lesser roles to the minority reporters. Malika Andrews, who's black, and then uh, Cassidy Hubbard, who's Asian American, they gave her, they gave him lesser roles, gave him like worse games, and and didn't have him on TV as much because Rachel Nichols was doing the sideline work. And then Maria Taylor, uh, she had um, she had told management like, hey, I don't want Rachel Nichols doing sideline work. So anytime that she was doing sideline work, Rachel Nichols, it was pre-recorded because Maria did not want to. Uh, converse with rachel nichols on tv so she had that in there and then adrian wardronowski and jay williams and jalen rose they were on a zoom call and they supported maria taylor and they said hey we're not going to do the show if these rules aren't followed and then wardronowski called um rachel nichols a bad teammate which i, I thought that was funny um but there's a lot here there's a lot to unpack it's you know it's uh you know diversity hires and um you know, white women specifically acting like, you know, they're part of this battle, this this racial battle, when, you know, really they're not. They put themselves in front. They're first in line. Hey, I'm first in line here. You know, that's why every time you, you always see a uh, a parade or a rally or something, a rally for, for something that's not about white women and who's there, who's first in line. It's white women holding a sign, Black Lives Matter, Asian lives matter, you know, brown lives matter. It's like, okay, okay, well, the, the white women just want to feel good about themselves and let's just all sit in a circle and, oh, let's share each other's feelings. Come on, that's not the real world. Because if some of them are, if you're taking some of their jobs, you're going to hear from him. You're going to hear from them if you're taking their husband's jobs. Like, oh, well, why? I'm more qualified. You know, oh, no, but I, I'm all for, for uh, you know, diversity here in the workplace, but oh, just, just as long as it's not my job. You know, so it's like, okay, Maria, she, Maria Taylor didn't get that job just because she's black. She's great at her job. But, you know, this happens in all aspects of life. When I was in, at college, when I was in Oregon State, I had college students, my peers, alluding to me being a, a diversity acceptance at the university. Like, I couldn't get there on my own. That I, could, I only got there because I'm brown. Like, okay, dude, we're, we're at a state university. Don't act like it's difficult to get into this school like come on man so i i always had people saying some backhanded racist stuff to me and, and then I, I call them out on it they're like oh you know they, they give an excuse so like they didn't realize what they said i'm like look you need to 
you need to learn like you can't say stuff like that just because i because of the way i look like i'm don't minimize me i'm probably smarter than you you know and so this happens all the time you know and you know a lot of stuff is is probably said behind closed doors at home with with their family members or whatever just like oh yeah this girl she just got hired because she's you know she's a woman and and you know they need a uh they need some eye candy or this guy got hired because he's because he's black and you know where we're at in the country or this guy brown and we need to hire him too for diversity it's like okay so I don't believe what what these people say or post on social media or share pictures that they're at a rally. Like, okay, say what you want to say, but I need to see some action. I need to see you volunteering at the local, uh, you know, minority groups and, you know, the NAACP, you know, places like that. And I go volunteer at food banks if you want to act like you're a good person, but you know, I don't need any white allies. You know, I'm my own ally. I'll I'll make my own my own destination, my own path. Can't stand that when everyone's talking about, oh, I'm an ally, I'm an ally. Like, okay, you can say that, but let me see it. Give me a reference somewhere. Help me out with this with this job interview. Write a letter of recommendation, you know. Let's network. Let's do something like that. But when it comes down to it, you know, certain certain groups and certain parties there are uh, are boxed out you know and I, i've seen it firsthand especially living in oregon oregon's white as hell man you know and i and i chose i chose to live here and chose to move here but man sometimes like people talk about portland being uh being progressive it's uh oh man they're so progressive they have all these all these uh these rallies and these riots and stuff because you know they're 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 against racism and police brutality if you guys looked at those videos, who's out there protesting, rioting, they're all white, man. Portland's the whitest city in the United States. They live in a white bubble there, and the only reason why there's rallies is because it's it's so it's a, a racist city, and now there's like some change lurking on the horizon, and and some people don't like it. So there's uh there's clashing clashing groups there, and it's uh it's a changing city, but don't think it's diverse for a second because it's not. Back to the uh, Maria Taylor, Rachel Nichols issue. So Maria Taylor is also in the middle of a contract negotiation. Her contract actually expires, I think, a few days before the NBA Finals uh, is scheduled to end. And she's asking for Stephen A. Smith money, uh, which is $7 million. I think he makes seven point five. But there was an article that was released like a few days before the NBA Finals started, which, you know, who released that? Who has that information you know, I think ESPN Upper Management released it to try to make Maria Taylor look like the bad guy on the way out. Make her seem like she's selfish for wanting Stephen A. Smith money. That's that's all negotiation right there. You ask for more money and then you get you get like six million instead of the seven million, whatever. But they had offered her five million, which was a raise from her one million dollars, and she denied she declined it because she wanted uh, seven million. Which is fine because she does a lot for the network. She's a rising star. She's not a rising star. She's a star already, and you know they have her doing a lot of stuff there for her, for them. And she's really good at her job. And she could get seven million somewhere else, I bet. Um, so yeah, ask for it. But they released this article at just such a bad time. And then after that, a few days after, then the the New York Times article comes out about Rachel Nichols. But then after that, 
Now ESPN's like, oh shit, we got a problem now. Now what do we do? We got a, it's a PR nightmare because everyone, all the employees and all the all the uh, newscasters and stuff at ESPN, they all knew about it, and ESPN didn't do anything. Fucking Paul Pierce, he got fired from ESPN because he he live streamed. He had strippers and he was playing poker and smoking weed on his day off. He was at home and he had hired he had hired strippers, you know, just to be hanging out there, rub them down. Massage, not a whole full-on, you know, that kind of rub down. But, you know, and he was just hanging out with his boys, playing poker, smoking some blunts, you know, which is legal in California. Like, okay, man. And then he gets fired the next day. Doesn't get an issued apology or anything on ESPN. Rachel Nichols, she gets to host the jump the next day and issued an 18-second apology. That apology was crap. She says, I'm, I'm, I'm so fortunate to work with my team here. I'm sorry for to this and this and Maria Taylor she talked for like 18 seconds, and then she had Kendrick Perkins and Richard Jefferson up there defending her and like, oh, we're glad he took responsibility. Like, ESPN or like, are they supposed to know PR? Like, they're a, a, a fucking a, a sports industry, entertainment company, like the biggest, one of the biggest companies of the world. Like, how the fuck do you not have a PR team? Like, hey, you know, maybe we should ask our own people. Like, man, this is a bad look. Maybe we should have Rachel Nichols up there by herself, not have two black men having to defend a white woman for what she said for a black woman uh, for tokenism. Like, that's just a, such a bad look, man. The optics are horrible on that. And also, if you're going to fire people without without giving them a, a, a fucking apology that they can do on, on the show, why are you going to give it to Rachel Nichols? Jamel Hill got fired for, you know, calling a, a Trump a white supremacist and all the stuff, and then uh, you know Paul Pierce got fired. They they didn't get to have a, an apology, a public apology on ESPN, you know. And then um, Jimmy Patero, I think his name is the uh, the new uh, the new president at ESPN. He told everyone, "Hey, we're not going to talk about politics. We're not going to talk about anything unless it relates to sports." Then he broke his rule because George Floyd happened, and ever then then everyone was watching stuff on TV, and then everyone got to give their own little monologue about it. And then now Rachel Nichols says something that was, you know, implying tokenism, but she's still there. But I don't know. It's just like you got to you got to pick a lane ESPN. You can't you can't just try to be on the right side of history. But when behind closed doors, you're on the wrong side of history, you know, and that's the same for all these companies, you know. That's also why I don't know if you've noticed there was an article about pride month and these companies you know they all change their logos to rainbow colors and stuff and um they have commercials and this is only in the united states that they do this but if you look on other in other countries during this month these same companies who change who are all rainbowed out they have regular logos during pride month in other countries why is that because the demographic of their consumers over there aren't very accepting of pride month but here we are so like oh we gotta oh we're all about it we're all about what you guys care about and then over there we're like oh hey guys we're not we don't we don't actually care about it if you guys are, are paying for this like oh don't worry there'll be no gay stuff on this on here you know no black lives matter if you if you don't care like so really they're just catering to what to what's what's the hot topic what's in the news what our interests are that's all they're doing they're just using the the classic sales technique they're mirroring their consumers. Oh, this is what everyone's talking about. Well, boom, we support that. Here's what we're complaining about. Oh, 
boom, we're against it. It's like whenever, if I'm in a sales call, if I'm meeting with someone and you know what, they're talking about something I don't agree with, I completely agree with them. Only because if I agree with them, they might like me some more and they might buy something. That's exactly what these all these companies are doing with these stupid fucking commercials and their their rainbow logos and stuff. They don't care. They don't care about us. They don't care about Pride Month. They don't care about Black Lives Matter. They don't care about the border crisis. None of that stuff. As long as you're buying their product. And same with ESPN. As long as you're they're, they come off as like, hey, we're all about diversity. You know, who, who are the, the people that are in the big offices? You know, they're all the white people, you know, trying to spin the company of, you know, well, hey, we know what we care. We care about this. We have, we're paying this minority this much and all this. We're an ABC company. We're a family company. You know, they don't. But that Disney company, ESPN, they have an issue because now they're probably going to lose Maria Taylor. You know, she's probably going to leave and go somewhere else for for six million, seven million, or whatever. I don't know where she's going to go. Um, she probably wouldn't go to Fox Sports. But now you have a you have a Rachel Nichols problem. Like if you keep her, I think you have more of a backlash. You know, there was such a backlash on her apology that they closed, they canceled her uh, her Tuesday show, or what was it? Yeah, her Tuesday show of the Jump. And uh, they also. They did a, a last-second change on the sideline reporting during the NBA Finals. So now Rachel Nichols is no longer doing the sideline reporting. Now it's Malika Andrews. Malika Andrews, is a, she's a star there. She's a rising star there at ESPN. She's really good sideline reporter. She's way better than Rachel Nichols. Um, she's from Oakland, and uh, she went to uh, University of Portland. Or Portland State. I think she went to Portland State. But, um, yeah, she's really good at her job, and... So that was that was a good decision, and then you know Maria Taylor when she was first talking to Malika on the broadcast, she's like, uh, she's like, oh, this is your very first finals and all this, and like I'm I'm very glad you're here and happy to work with you or whatever, and you know you could just tell she's just like rubbing it in Rachel Nichols's face because she knows Rachel Nichols is watching the broadcast, and she's you could just tell she was eating that up, eating up that opportunity to say that. Um, so yeah, they, this is messy on ESPN's part because they're only doing something because people found out about the audio. They waited an entire year to do something about it when everyone else at ESPN knew what was going on. So because of that, they probably are going to lose Maria Taylor unless they pay her. But now I think they got to scramble and they have to give her Stephen A money now. They, like you're backed into a corner because the person who recorded it was uh, Kayla Johnson. She was a, a producer there and she, she, apparently she shared it with HR. And then she also shared it, sent the video to Maria Taylor and said, hey, uh, I just want you to know this is what's going on behind her back. You know, and I, I told HR about this or whatever. So Kayla is a homie about for that. You know, if, if, she, if she sent me that video, like, hey, man, this is what they're saying. I'm like, oh, hell yeah. Thank you for letting me know. Like, this is what I'm working with. I got people saying I'm, I'm, a, I'm a token hire. You know, she's, she's a homie there. And she's the one who suffered because after that, she was suspended two weeks with no pay. Then they gave her lesser roles until she quit. So it's like, what? That's <laughs> that's how you're going to handle it? You're going to fire Kayla, but you're not going to do anything to Rachel Nichols, the person who said it? You know, I know there's a privacy issue here, and apparently, like, with that software or something, the, the systems that they use, people from the office from, uh, from Bristol, they could turn on the monitor and then record automatically. 
So there's some some rumblings that that's what happened that um, they were trying to catch Rachel Nichols saying some shit because they had there was uh, rumors or they had heard her say some stuff something to that effect before and wanted to catch her saying that and then release it to uh, to give Maria Taylor leverage in contract negotiations. So there's a bunch of there's many layers to this. Which you know if Maria Taylor did do that, like I I don't have a problem with that at all because you know in any situation when you're especially if you're negotiating uh, promotion salary contract anything like that you have to have some sort of leverage that's why people go out when they have a current job and then they want more pay they're like hey you know what i just interviewed with this other place to go back to the manager hey, i interviewed at this place they're paying me fifteen thousand dollars more a year but man i really like it here i like the culture i love working for you like you know is there any way i could get a raise here you know, just because I, I don't want to leave, I don't want to have to leave here, but you know, I'm kind of tied up here. You know, I'm, I'm trying to buy a house here soon and you know, I, I just need more money here. I'm not making enough here, but I like being here. They're like, you know what? Yeah, we value you. Sure. We'll give you a raise or no, no, it's just not in the budget. Then, then you go leave. Then you call her, then they'll call your bluff. So then you have to leave, you know? So any way you could get leverage, you know, because she's having these conversations with LeBron's advisor, by the way. So like, is she like heavily connected? Yes, she's heavily connected. She's married to, um, who is it, Max Nichols. He's a director. He's a Hollywood director whose father was a, a longtime director who's who was married to Diane Sawyer for a while, was like the queen of ABC there for a bit. And then, yeah, so Rachel Nichols is heavily connected. So now you, one could ask, how does she get up to her job and get all the way that far into ESPN? Like I, I know she went to journalism school like everyone else did in the industry, but you know, I mean, she's not that good, right? I think she had a she had some hand in in getting Michelle Beadle fired because she wanted NBA countdown. She's like, all right, all I gotta do is get rid of Beadle, and then I can fill in for uh, for her and take over NBA countdown. I'm still upset about that because I thought Michelle Beadle was good. Um, so yeah, I, I, I always find it fascinating, the inner workings of a, of a TV show and especially with, with media, sports media, it'll be interesting to see the decisions that are made after this, that ESPN does, because then they're going to, they're going to choose a lane. They have to pick a lane. They have to be on Maria Taylor's side or Rachel Nichols side. I don't think they can kind of keep both and, and make it work. I mean, maybe they can, they can, um, they can give Maria Taylor her money give her that contract extension. And then I don't know what you do with uh, Rachel Nichols though, because she wanted, she wanted that spot. So she would probably leave anyway. Like someone's going to, someone's going to be lost. Like someone's going to lose or leave or both of them might leave. I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a mess. It's, it's a PR nightmare for sure. Um, but yeah, guys, thanks for, thanks for listening and hearing my, my ranting for a bit. I know some people probably offended, but you know what? I, apologize but that's just how i feel about certain topics um so yeah game two of the nba finals will be tomorrow um so we'll probably get another episode later this week or maybe early next week uh depending on my schedule so uh thanks for listening and talk soon